is here for the first time. Yeah. And Brad, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, so, well, uh, yeah. So, welcome. welcome. Yeah. And maybe just go around. We'll introduce who we are. Um, but just you can just say your name. <laughs> um, Dale and I were talking about that whole thing. We had that conversation about who are we, and we often define that by what we do. Um, but I'll just have you give your name. So I'm Chad. Eric. Peter. Ken. I'm Chris. Dave. Brad. Tom. And John. And Greg. And you are here because... Mr. Ken. Yes, we can. He was having dinner last night, and he was talking about his daughter having Bible study, and I said, what do you do for Bible study? Because I've been looking for a men's group, and um, and he turned me on to this place. Awesome. Cool. Glad you're here. Um, if you won't figure it out as we go around, I mean, this is very informal, so we um, feel free to speak up. Uh, there's no dumb questions here. Um, so... Only yeah. the ones that aren't answered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, welcome. So I thought what we would just say, we are now going, we're starting a new chapter, chapter 3 of John. We're going to be primarily looking at um, the first part of this up to 3.15 tonight. And one of the things that we've been talking about as we've been going through John is the role of the prologue, the very beginning of John. And anybody remember what have we said about the importance of that prologue? Well, I mean, it really lays out the whole, the whole book of John. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody remember what's what's the function of the prologue? Does that? Anything else? We're usually smarter than this. <laughs> no. It's a, it's a chiasm. It's a chiasm. <laughs> yeah, it is that. That's true. In fact, we'll start seeing maybe that a little bit tonight. I think that's always the answer. So, really going along with what Chad said, too, is what you find is with John, which we don't really have with the other Gospels, what you find is that the prologue is really setting up not just sort of the of what John's, I want to say, it's, it's sort of an introduction to John, but it also is what John is whether he's thinking, how he's thinking about this, but he's constantly going back to the prologue in what he's saying. You see the language and the things that he's doing. Just over and over again, we go back to the prologue. So um, so what I'd like to do tonight is I want us to go ahead and read the prologue again. And then after we read the prologue, I want us to so be attentive as we go through and read that. Then I want us to go and read John 3. 1 through 15, and I want you to try to pick up what, where do you see these allusions back to the prologue, okay? Um, because we're just going to see this over and over and over and over again. Um, it's, it's like, it's great because John keeps bringing out these themes, and he's telling us stories based on those themes. That was a great Tesla. Does anyone have a great Tesla? Um, yeah. Pete. Yeah. Was that your it story? went off by itself. And it yeah. just went off by itself. It was nothing there. <laughs> and I was trying it, was it was a spirit. <laughs> that was a low battery warning. <laughs> All right. So we're going to, um, you just stepped out from a time. We're going to read through the prologue um, again. And then we're going to go read John 1, 1 through 15. And want to try to pick up where do we see the same type of language? What do we see connected between 3, 1 through 15 and the prologue? Okay, so who wants to volunteer 
to read John 1, 1 through, where does the prologue end? I remember? 18. What is it? 18. Yeah, 18. All right, so 3, 1, 1 through 18. Who wants to read that whole thing? Go ahead, Chris. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Okay, so when Pete said that the prologue is a chiasm, <laughs> we won't have, again, we won't do too much with Greek language here, but one we've sort of consistently used as we've gone through our studies, however different books, is this idea of a chiasm or an inclusio. So can anybody try to define... Maybe remember what a chiasm is. Chiasm is the, is the structure that the, the middle there's like a the beginning and like the end of that verse. It's not like are aligned. They're aligned. So like the beginning, let's say verse one and say verse seven or whatever, whatever the verse is, they're aligned, and then the next line, and then the one below, you know, and then all you the middle, then the middle is like the the top or like the main point. Excellent. Excellent. So. Everyone got that? So it's like you end up having these verses that parallel each other. Wow. And in the middle, if there is a middle one, and particularly if that middle verse sits by itself, that middle is like the main point. It is the turning point. Um, it is what the author ultimately is trying to get across. And so anybody remember what is the middle for John, for the prologue? What is that verse that um, is in the middle? 12, right? 12. Very good. You want to read that, Chad? Yeah. Uh, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Great. Okay? So that's like the main thing. In fact, you're going to see throughout John, the whole idea is around this idea, as we've been talking about, of believing. And not just believe, but believing as a verb this relationship that we have with Christ. And in that relationship, we become, through that relationship, we become actual children of God. Uh, one of the things that um, Dale, if you remember, said about a month ago or so, 
Um, and in fact, I'm thinking about using a quote of his in my sermon I'm going to do in the Good Samaritan. Like I just found out I'm going to do like not this Sunday, but the next Sunday. So you guys can pray about that as I'm working through that. But one of the things I want to do is take a look at this whole identity, this whole idea of an identity, of who are we, not just what we do. And this Dale said, mostly we define ourselves by what we do, especially guys. Um, but who are we? Who's the core of our identity? And what we have right here in John is the main thing, is our identity is children of God. All right. And so that's gonna, that's like the theme we're just gonna keep seeing over and over again in John. So, I want now, thinking of what you just read in the prologue, I want you to turn to John chapter 3. Anybody wanna, like, go and pull the battery on the car? I'll close the door, but it's awful hot. Or maybe I should turn the air conditioning back down and close it. But, um, We'll see. Get that thing off. All right. Who wants to read John 3, 1 through 15? And as we do this, again, think about language you may hear that has to do with the prologue. That's the first thing I want to look at with this. So who wants to read that? I'll do it. Okay. Go ahead, Shot. Now there is a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do all these signs that you do unless God is with him. But Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and that you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, We speak of what we know, and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent from the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. All right. We're on John, John chapter 3. Get your breath there, Jason. I'm good. I'm glad you're here. Me too. Um, All right, so... Did you pick up anything in this in John three one through fifteen that is like an echo of what you heard in any language that you heard as an echo of John of the prologue? Well, three three. So I say to you, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, so where are you where are you see that in the prologue? Basically, I think it's twelve, right? Uh, one twelve. 
Yeah. Right. Or, yeah. In the world. Like, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, 12, ma I mean, kind of a different verbiage, but essentially, if you don't believe in Christ, and you don't have the right to become a children of God. Okay. I, mean, I see that. I mean, it's kind of a somewhat of a correlation there. What are the Not words the exact you see? words, though. Yeah, what are the words you see that get echoed there? Anybody else see? I see um, the idea of um, not accepting um, not believing, right? Okay. Um, yeah. Have the whole lot, whole area of believing. Okay. It says. It says you you don't receive the testimony, right? Mm -hmm. You don't believe. Uh, In eleven and twelve, the post says believe. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah. yeah. But you but you do not receive our testimony. Yep. Right? Yeah. Where is the te oh? There it is. And John, I think where's the testimony? Don't we have eleven? Eleven. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and then it says yeah in eleven. Of one, it says he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, there. Uh, let's see. There's what if you remember also back in seven. There's witness. You remember witness is testimony. Mm. So there's also that link too. The word witness is the same word as testimony. Um, so you can see that being echoed there. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's talking about Nicodemus particularly because Nicodemus is, like, curious, right? Like, mm -hmm. he's coming to Jesus, mm -hmm. and he's not, you know, he's he's saying no one can do the signs you did unless God is with you. But you, plural, is in he is part of the, um, the Pharisees, right? And the Pharisees largely reject Jesus. Okay. And that those are his own who did not receive him. All right, okay, good. All right. Anybody else? Any other echoes? I think um, <clears throat> three, six. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Mm -hmm. That was uh, kind of um, the introduction of man's perspective of religion as opposed to the Holy Spirit and what that really stands for. Um, goes back to 1.10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Okay. So it kind of talks about how man does worship as opposed to receiving their sonship. All right, good. And you know what? I think it goes back to your discussion uh, last time about humility. And I think humility is the only way that you can receive it. Because hmm. if you remain in the world and prideful, there's no way you're going to be subjecting yourself. Right, yeah. Good. I see one. Uh-huh. Um, verse 13 in uh, chapter 1. Yep. Who were born. Hmm. Out of the blood, but well. And then to three, chapter three, verse eight. <coughs> so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, this whole idea of born, you see that being echoed a lot here in this 
whole thing with Nicodemus is the idea of born, which we'll look at more in detail. Um, this whole idea about being born. What does that mean? Yeah, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor mm-hmm. the will of man, but of God. Being born really is all about a transition. Uh, a big tra- yeah, a big transition. A big transformation. transformation. <laughs> From security to being in the world. Yeah. It says, in verse 13 in chapter 1, it says, born uh, not of the will of man, but of God. So you could say, born of God. Mm-hmm. And in chapter 3, verse 13, it says, born of the Spirit. So maybe synonymous is born of God and born of the Spirit. Yeah, you, would you say yes to that? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, definitely because you have that. You see the Trinity happening here. You got Jesus, you got the God, you got the Spirit, yeah, the Father. Right. Okay, anything else um, as we just read through 3, 1 through 15 there? Anything that struck you guys in this conversation, whether it was tonight or if you read it before? Um, this this is a one of those places that's pretty familiar. To, <laughs> we, we've, heard this, we've heard about Nick, <laughs> all right? Um, but I'm wondering if going through it again, if there's something that you, you read in here, you go, oh, I never really see that before. Um, yeah, Kat. So it looks as though Nicodemus comes secretly into the night, and it says a man came to Jesus. And if you look at 2.25, it says he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew hmm. what was in man. In other words... Jesus knew what was in man, so he knew that Nicodemus was a man and a uh-huh. like that he was trying to convert. Mm-hmm. What did you say? He knew Nicodemus was. Well, what? he knew he was a man. I mean, because he says in twenty-five, he knew what was in man. So, what did he know about Nicodemus? Nicodemus came to him secretly, because, from what I understand, I don't have. I don't know a lot about how. Yeah, that's why he came at night, so he wouldn't be seen. Yeah, because he wasn't. Wouldn't he be embarrassed in front of yeah. his people, right? So he's kind of trying to do this secretly, and then he's now Jesus is telling him to be born again, and I think that Jesus knows more about Nicodemus than he than he thinks he does. Like Nicodemus <laughs> is trying to maybe hide who he is. Hmm. That's what I get. From. Okay, well, and I think we're going to see some of that where Jesus sort of does a little two-step on Nicodemus and it sort of brings out who is Nicodemus really. Um, yeah, okay. So, I was then, yeah, go ahead. thinking something similar to what you two were just talking about because uh, Jesus jumps in, you know, because he just comes and says, basically, Rabbi, you're the greatest. And before he can say anything else, Jesus goes, you know, Barely, barely. <laughs> and if I were Nicodemus, I'd be like, whoa. Yeah. It's kind of impolite. It's kind of, you know, don't even open your mouth. I know that you're not saved. Hmm. And shouldn't you be saved, you leader of Israel? What's uh-huh. wrong with you? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Kind of a backhand forehand. Yeah. I see it a little bit differently yeah. because... What's really happening is Nicodemus is being introduced to a concept that he never considered before. And what's that concept? About um, you don't live your religion according to the rules 
that they make up that there mm. is a Holy Spirit and a God that's above all of that. Mm. Okay. Right. I see it as um, Jesus just cutting to the chase, not disrespectful to Nicodemus, mm-hmm. but like, I know why you're here, Nicodemus, and this is what you need to hear. Yeah. Like, cut to the chase, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, they kind of know. broad science him, too. You know, he does. And um, he tells him the truth by a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, one of the things, and we say that, I think you said this, Ken. So, we, and I just want to call it out that we're making an assumption. Well, actually, it's interesting listening to all of you right now because we, that's a problem with have scripture. You, have we you learned something? Huh? Have you learned something? Yeah. How, I mean, is there, is there, a, is, we listen to, we don't know the tone of this, right? Um, it's, it's, we don't know what is our antagonism. We don't get to see the body language. We don't really know is this sort of a, like, you know, like, how is Jesus approaching? What tone is he using to Nicodemus? What tone is going back and forth? But also, we do make the assumption that he comes to Jesus secretly. And we make that assumption because it's at By night. night. That could be. So, I mean, it could be that that, that, is, that is possible. But it's also good to know that in those days when Jews would mostly get together to study, they would get together <clears throat> at night. Just like, what do we do? Get together at night. All right, up in the Bay Area, there's a whole Jewish community up there. And when I'd go visit them at nighttime, what are they all doing? They're all studying the Torah. They're all studying Scripture. So it could be that it was secretly, but it could also be this is what this is what they do during the daytime. They're out doing what a lot of us are doing. We're all you know we're working. We're doing it's whatever we're supposed to be doing the weekend. Huh? It's cooler at night. Yeah, it's cooler at night too. That's that's <laughs> true desert. too. All right. So we don't know. We don't necessarily know. Was it in secret? Was it not? Was he trying to hide? Does it make um, a difference? And I don't know if it makes a difference, right? Probably there's some. There's somewhere else where it talks about it in John. I forget. I was reading ahead about coming at night. You know, to sneak around or I forget where it is. I read kind of went way ahead, but so I think it is. Re- I think he is like trying to save his reputation or not yeah, get killed by his own Pharisees <laughs> who swore to kill Jesus. Uh-huh. Isn't so it think, important for that reason? That's, yeah, it, that's what I was trying. Isn't it important right. for that reason? It's that a big we, risk that we on know, his end. For we could very well be. Yep. He's making a big step forward to because he's like, I want to know more about what this Jesus guy's about. You know? Yeah. There is another verse about Nicodemus, which is John mm-hmm. seven fifty. Yeah, you want to read that? And um, it says Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, uh, and who was one of them, said to them. Does our does our law judge a man first without giving him a hearing, learning what he does? <laughs> and they replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet prophet arises from Galilee. So the Pharisees are going after Jesus. Nicodemus kind of like tries to be the voice of reason, but he doesn't necessarily align himself with Jesus. He just says, you know, um, give him a fair trial. Mm-hmm basically, and then they brush him off. But he, yeah, he doesn't align himself with Jesus, although mm-hmm. he, he's sympathetic to Jesus. 
So there he's not aligning himself. So we have a meeting with Jesus. Then he's not, he's sort of like, like you said, maybe not necessarily aligning himself. Do we know where Nicodemus occurs again? He occurs one more time in John. That sort of shows you, yeah, maybe the progression of Nicodemus' own relationship with Jesus and how much does he continue to Yeah, and wasn't he the one that got the body? 31. Embalming. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, so if you turn to um, 1939. So, um, yeah, page 116. So it says, after these things, so Jesus is buried. After these things, Joseph of Marathia, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. What's interesting is I'm memorizing, continuing to memorize Isaiah 53. You sort of have this being fulfilled here. This is part of the a rich man, um, part of Isaiah 53 being fulfilled. And it says, So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night. So there you go, referencing all the way back. If it said at night, it would be different. By and night. By it night. says by night. Thank you. Came to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds of weight. So he's actually, Nicodemus is now actually part of the burial. Hmm? Where was that? 1939. Okay. Page 116. So you see, Nicodemus now is actually part of helping to bury Jesus. That's a big deal. That's a lot of ointment. Sure is. A lot of light? Ointment, whatever the. Mm-hmm. It's hours. like herbs, like embalming. Well, how many pounds? Smell. 70 pounds. 70 pounds. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's like uh, seven you know, gallons of milk. It's like a keg of beer. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, ten, big, ten like a big drum, like almost like a 50 kilo drum. Yeah. 7.6 yeah. pounds. How do you know? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, flying around with gallons of milk? <laughs> no, but... <laughs> That's what jet fuel is measured in in pounds. Oh, okay. And so you had to know how much a gallon weighs. So milk was the same as jet fuel? Oh, the density. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, well, I mean, guess what you get here is you, you get Jesus must have been pretty dead. I mean, they're putting a lot of stuff in him, <laughs> right? Um, at this point, uh, this is as they're burying him. All right. <laughs> question, yes. uh-huh. incidental question here. When one is born of water yes. and the Spirit, I assume when he's talking about born of water, of course he's talking about baptism. Um, and what I wonder here is if he's talking about an adult being baptized or a child or both. Because most children are not aware of the purpose of the baptism uh-huh. at that age, which under, say, under 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is when I was baptized. I didn't realize at all what it was supposed to represent. It was just a ceremony, a water ceremony. Yeah. You know, a big deal. And I only did it because my grandmother wanted me to. I didn't know, I didn't feel like I was being, receiving the Holy Spirit at all, mm-hmm. or this was going to be an entry to heaven. She didn't. Even my grandma didn't tell me that. So um, I wonder about saying that you can't get into the kingdom unless you are go through this water ceremony. Okay. It's always puzzled me. 
All right. All right well, so let's, let's talk about yeah. Let's it's talk very... about that puzzle. Let's, yeah, it's a good time to talk about that puzzle. So, again, I want us to ask our questions. We you, you just made an assumption. What was the assumption you made? Assumption that um, water is talking about. Oh, I see. It could be something other than baptism. Could be. Right? Oh, so what you guys that. think about, just just think on the surface, just think, what are the different meanings here? And this is one that a lot of people, a lot of people, there's different opinions about this, okay? Um, what does it mean by where he says that? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit. So... Why is why is Jesus saying water here? I mean, he could have just said, obviously, spirit. Yeah, right. Spirit makes sense. Right. So, one of the things. So one one thing water can mean is exactly what you just said. Baptism. First thing that comes in our minds is, is baptism. So, what baptisms could this mean? Let's just let's take baptism for a second. So there's different baptisms going on here. So if you meant baptism. What literal baptisms are happening at this time? Uh-huh. The f- one that you experienced by your grandmother mm-hmm. is a dedication. The Which is what? When you're a child, you mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. That the okay. parents are dedicating their child. The water and spirit comes later where you have knowledge of what you're doing, then it's a public demonstration of your acceptance of Jesus Christ. And it's it's your personal declaration to the world that I'm taking my stand and this is what this means. So one's a dedication and one's um, basically a coming out party or yeah. an announcement. Exactly. That's okay. what I was thinking. All right. So I think about very impressive uh, baptism downstairs with mm-hmm. guys in their... 50s and 60s, which they wanted to be baptized again, even though they were done by dedication, like right. you say, when they were younger. It was very meaningful for them and the congregation watching. Okay, so what do we call this bat that that baptism we're talking about right now? The one where you're talking about downstairs. What do we? Being born again. It's what? Being born again. Okay, being born yeah, again. Being born so if there, there's probably three baptisms potentially happening during the day of Jesus. Uh-huh. Okay? So this is, so one of them is what you just said. Okay? Potentially you could have what we would call a Christian baptism. All right? So as we call it as a Christian baptism, of course, there's different types of baptisms within the Christian church. The Catholics have one form of that. We dunk people, okay, or we take them out of the uh, Jay many times, take them out of the ocean <laughs> out there, okay, um, and and dunk them. So I think that goes along with what you just said. For us, we would call Christian baptism as something that happens after you placed your faith in Christ, right? right? Okay. What other types of baptisms were happening at the time of Jesus? The baptism of repentance by John. Excellent. Okay. So we have John's baptism that was taking place at the time. Baptism of repentance. Anybody know what other type of baptism was taking place in those days? So you got the Christian baptism. You got John's baptism. 
I, I don't know if it's exa- I don't know if it's exactly the same, but like when Gentiles would become Jews, there'd be a baptism. Excellent, very very good, Chad. Excellent. So that's called proselyte baptism. Wow. All right. And so, say, could you say it again, please? Proselyte. Mm-hmm. So uh, so Jews mm-hmm. during the time of Jesus, um, it was start a little bit before start before Jesus came. So when when a Jew when a Gentile became a Jew, that's called a proselyte. So the actual term is, I'm a proselyte. I've decided to give up my gentle... (laughs) Gentileness, all right? And I'm now chosen to be a full Jew, which means I'm not going to follow the full Torah and the law, and I'm going to worship just like the Jews. I, I am a Jew, okay? So when that would happen during the time of Jesus, they would actually baptize that person as sort of a purification rite to say you are now a Jew. Did they sprinkle them? Or they, they, they dunked them. Okay, in fact, they either would do it like in the Jordan River, or you will see, um, if you go to Israel, you'll find baptismals, okay, that are not too different than what we have down there. Tubs. All right? It's yeah, like well, tubs are like um, of concrete, like a whole circle, where people could dunk someone. All right, so very similar to what we have. All right, so you have these three baptisms that potentially could be referred to here. All right, what else could water mean? Yeah. Um, when I first came here, maybe the second time, you did an example of those bottles there, uh-huh, uh-huh. and you would, what our discussion was, um, stagnant water versus um, moving water. So, not trying to get ahead or anything, but no, that's good. ahead, uh-huh. where, where the Samaritan woman comes into place, and he talks to her about living water. He does. Hmm. Okay. Anybody know where that is? Chapter 4, right? 4... Uh, well, really just the beginning of 4. But he talks about the living water in verse 10. Okay, so let's turn there. So 410. 410? Is that where we're at? Yeah, that's where he actually uses like the term living water. Yeah, okay. Alright, so 410. So here we have another use of water. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, page 22, and who is that? The saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked, and he would have given you living water. Okay, so any other time that you can think of the water or any other meaning of water? So here could, water here could, in this sense, water means who? There's, 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 okay. Yeah, there's a ton of water references. Yeah, you mean keep going in 13. So. Yeah, the pool, the, the pool the named Scent, the, all the upper, upper channel, all, every, there's, Fountain of uh, uh, right. Yeah, there's a lot. So I'm of trying to think about what else could water mean. The the spear is the water leaving his body. Okay. Yeah. All right. The water could mean a just a normal birth, like okay. water broke. Right. My water yep. broke. Okay. Yes. Time so, to have the baby. Yeah. And it in the following verse, it's contrasting the flesh and the spirit. You know, it could be water is natural birth, spirit is. 
Yeah. Okay. And, and Good. Along that line, we transition again. Uh-huh. Could be, uh huh. Physical creation. Very water, good. water stands for physical creation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, listen to this, uh-huh. this is pretty cool, because yeah. we're talking about two things. Okay. Good. We're talking about the Spirit of God, and uh-huh. we're talking about water, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Second verse in the Bible. The earth was with, without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Fire. Very good, Tom. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. So here you see spirit and water used together. And the reason I was, I was looking that up is I went to the concordance here because I remember kind of doing a study of this some time ago. Mm-hmm. I couldn't understand how Nicodemus being a father of the people or a religious leader, Jesus says, you know, don't you know these things? Weren't the Jews accustomed to or aware of the spirit of God? I don't think so. I think they're more works oriented. They're more law oriented. So Jesus is reminding them, hey, don't you remember that the scriptures are full of the Spirit of God? Mm-hmm. And, Which it is, isn't it? Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, like, <laughs> can I read you a few? This yeah, you just read the beginning. And I don't know if this first, is exhaustive right? or not, yeah, but it's a uh-huh, pretty good uh-huh. list. And it's, um, this, is your, this is your concordance? G- yeah, Genesis 1-2, and the Spirit of God was on the face of water. Mm-hmm. Genesis 6-3, Spirit shall not strive with man. Numbers 11 Spirit that was upon you, Second Kings, portion of your spirit, Job, then a spirit passed, hmm. Psalms, the spirit of a man is the, and it doesn't finish, Ecclesiastes, spirit will return to God, Isaiah, spirit has gathered them, Isaiah, I have put my spirit, Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord, Ezekiel, spirit entered, me when he, Ezekiel, a new spirit, I will, uh, Ezekiel, I will put my spirit, hmm. Micah, walk in a false spirit, meaning I guess something's wrong if you do, and then it starts the New Testament. Okay. So, a, a scholar like Nicodemus would have known, but I don't think they were preaching that, they were teaching that. Hmm. Okay. Alright, so, going to your th- the whoever said about the spirit meaning birth, we would think that could be. The problem is when they look at Jews and they look at how they always talked about what happened during birth, it was not water they associate with birth. It was blood. blood. Uh. Yeah. So almost and almost all the references because we have a lot of Jewish writings back in those times. Pretty much all the references about birth, actual physical birth associated blood with the birth, which, if you can think about, if anybody's ever, anybody ever watch a birth? Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I gotta catch my daughter. I did mine uh, in the water. Huh? I don't know. I did mine in the water. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, there's definitely a, wa- a lot of water, but the water yeah. breaks mostly ahead of time, and then when the baby comes out, you have a it's lot of blood. blood. Oh, yeah. Bloody water. Yeah. Bloody water. Yeah. Very dramatic. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Quite an experience. Nothing like yeah. it. No, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So we have all these different things about what it could mean. All these things are, are potential. One of the, um, one of the, what I'm saying, um, if you're trying to interpret something in Scripture, it's always best to try to go back and look at Scripture. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. Okay.
Mm-hmm. And then as you so do that, see. and that's exactly what Tom's doing, okay? As you do that, you want to also consider sort of context, you know? So if you've got stuff that is talking about it within the same chapter, or within the same book or something, you start getting a lot closer to going, okay, what is this author trying to talk about? Not just across the whole Bible, but it's good to ask all those things across the whole Bible. Like, you just went back to where we always should go back. Go back to the beginning (laughs) of Scripture, all right? So there's another place in John where we hear about water. But we don't just hear about water. We hear about water and spirit. Okay? So one of the things John does, one of the things that John doesn't do at all in his gospel, which is what what Jeff is preaching on right now. Jeff is preaching through the parables. Okay, you don't find parables in John. However, what you do find in John is a lot of metaphor, and actually, a parable is really an extended metaphor. All right, but in John, we just have metaphors. <laughs> really, the whole scripture does, the Bible does. But in John, he is just constantly using metaphors to try to get across a metaphor. Really, in the Bible, is using worldly things to get across heavenly ideas, concepts, relationship, okay? So, John uses water and spirit together somewhere else, all right? Um, Anybody know offhand where that is? It's one of the feasts, right? So, turn to John 7, And John 7, yeah, okay. John seven thirty seven, which is on page 46. So, Jason, why don't you read 37 <coughs> through 38. 30, sorry, 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day. Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were to receive. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus had not yet so if you were to read that, what does water mean? <laughs> the flowing of the Spirit. The what? The, the flowing of the Spirit. Spirit. Okay, yeah. very good. So really, water is synonymous with Spirit. the Spirit. Okay. And in fact, in this in this passage we're looking at in John, don't know for sure, but highly likely that that's exactly what's happening here in John. Is why? So going back to your question, why is John saying, or why is Jesus saying, water and spirit? Because he had, he's actually saying the same thing. <laughs> he's actually using two, exactly. He's oh. actually using two mm. words. That are become synonymous. Now we don't do I'm this. I'm glad with, I asked the question. Yeah, we don't we don't do this often in English. Um, it's actually pretty rare in English. It's very common in Greek. I'm going to try to tell you 
Um, it's a word that is headed. <laughs> can't say the word. Hendidias, which is where two words are used for really the same thing. Okay, and this is something that happens fairly frequently in Greek, where someone wants to get something across, they will actually use two words to really get that across, possibly doing exactly what Brad just said, which is you're getting across this idea of not just spirit, but you're almost like putting an adjective next to it. You're saying you're describing the action of the spirit in a sense. So you could say flowing like the spirit. You're giving like this illustration where you're saying here's sort of both of these really are the spirit, but I'm trying to describe it by using these two words together. Um, we don't do that much in English. I looked up in the dictionary and there's like example everybody used by this term which is like nicely warm. When something is nicely warm, it's really not saying it's nice and it's warm. <laughs> it's really almost trying to describe the character of warmness <laughs> as being nice. And so here it's like the spirit, it's it's like water. It's like living water. It's like something that flows. So, so Jesus could have just used water. I mean, he could have used his spirit. But he's not really trying to separate the two and say you have something with water and you have something with spirit. That's what but I was concerned really, about. It was yeah. separating them. I don't think that yeah. was it. It's a tough yeah. one. It's one that people have sort of wrestled with. Uh, yeah. What I'm wrestling with is Jesus is talking about something that's going to be given in the future that they've never heard of. Exactly. At the time. Well, because they've heard. The they've Holy heard, Spirit yeah. isn't given until his death. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um. That, that's correct. Well, so, actually, it's in, not his death. When's Pentecost. the Spirit given? At Pentecost. Yeah. yeah. Which is so, after his ascension. Yeah. Yeah. So, he keeps talking about a concept that's never happened, that he knows is going to be given, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and what it's all about, and the fullness of what it is. Mm-hmm. But, no one's been introduced to it before this, so, right. they... They don't understand. I, I, That's I, I why like they're thinking lack of understanding. He was yeah, confused. Right, he goes, right. how can you be born again? You go, can't go back in the womb and come back <laughs> right. up. Right. So I like your thinking. Yeah. Can, yeah. I, can I read something real uh-huh. quick? I just read uh-huh. on here, just kind of looking at it. It says, like, um, so, uh, what's it? Okay. Being born of the Spirit is clearly a reference to accepting Christ, but the aspect of water is less sure. The most, reasonable, the most reasonable interpretation is that water refers to baptism, but in the context of repentance. This is why John the Baptist's ministry of baptism was a precursor to Christ. Got what you were saying. In other words, faith, is, faith in Christ is absolutely a requirement for salvation. The physical ritual of baptism is not. But I, I read that earlier and I thought of the same thing. Because they were like, that would be confusing. Like, wait, they don't, they don't understand that concept of mm-hmm. being baptized in the name of Jesus. And John is... Is teaching repentance, yeah. which is the first step to getting to accepting the Holy Spirit right. that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it's like a total yeah. <laughs> but the, again, this is not new to them <clears throat> because uh, Numbers, uh, this is talking about Moses. So the Lord said to Moses, oh, next verse, Then I, God, will come down and talk to you, Moses, there. I will take of the Spirit that is upon you. Hmm. And I put the same spirit upon them. Yeah. But before then, Moses had the spirit with specific gifts given to specific people or different times. 
Yeah, you notice here that notice what happens. So what he just read there is a good passage to think about the Old Testament. So the Spirit's in the Old Testament, but what you see is the Spirit comes upon people, and it's mostly for a specific purpose. Um, Where when Jesus comes, the Spirit doesn't just come on him. It what? It comes in. It fills him. In fact, we... So, we already have the Spirit, I mean, at the time when Jesus baptized, the dove, representing the Spirit, comes and remains on Jesus, showing that he is now the presence of God, which is different than what you have, like what you just read there. Um, what were you going to say, Jason? I think it, in this context, I think it's clear that the There is an order to these things. Once again, we come to that. It wouldn't have been said if there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Why was John the Baptist told by the Father to do this of repentance? What is the gospel? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand that, you will never. John fourteen twelve <laughs> all the way through the end of the page, uh-huh. receive the Spirit. Because you will never love me. Because you will never know me. Mm-hmm. So, there is an order. Water is baptism. It is baptism. But it's conscious baptism. Recognizing and believing in Christ. Right. And being purified accordingly. Secondly, then once you go through the process of discipleship. And doing mm-hmm. the commandments of Christ. That's, that's the linchpin. Right. You want the Spirit? you got to love me. To love me, you got to do my commandments. You have to live that. Then I can man- manifest myself within you. And how do you show How do you show Jesus you love him? By, you say, by doing what he tells you to well, do. Right, but so I'm thinking about your order again. Say your order again. Why don't we read it? Rather than me saying <laughs> okay, it. Okay, alright. Truly, truly, I say to you... Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these he will do. Because... Where are you reading from? This is blowing their mind, Where are you reading? obviously, Where are you reading? To, to the point. 14, 12. Oh, John 14, 12? Yes. Yeah, okay. Because I am going to the Father. Uh-huh. You will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Right? They're going, what? <laughs> Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Now, here's in my name. This mm-hmm. this section here is chock full of my name. Mm-hmm. What is doing things in my name? Saying the word Jesus, the words Jesus Christ? No. Because again, you're not saying that with the Spirit unless you love me. And if you love me, whatever you're asking is what I would do. Okay, but you're, 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 you're missing the first step. Well, let's keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just hold on for a minute. So I just want you to think, because you just read it, actually. You just read the first step. I just want to be clear, yeah, but you haven't read the first step yet. Whoever believes in me. Yeah, yeah. Thank I, you. I did. Okay. That's what I, I said. Think. you got to believe. Right. That's the, that's well, you the water. You kept saying love, but you were, you were forgetting about belief. No, no. We covered that. The order, <laughs> right. the water. First, right. you got to believe in me, right? Yeah. So, yeah, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So. Right. Because if you believe in Christ... That love will develop. Yeah, good. Okay. All right. um, so, all right. This, But anyways, it goes through and substantiates the difference between the two. 
between the two. Water, spirit. And what begets what? Okay. So John 14, the year reading, which we're going to definitely get to, is going so, I mean, to be where... All, all the yeah, way through... Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's, it's huge. I mean, I'm a, I can't wait till we get there. Yeah, all the way <laughs> because through 15. John 14 is describing a time... It, it goes back to like what Tom was saying. John 14 is describing a change in the way God works. So, before John... Before... During the time of Jesus... All right. What what ends up happening is people. Where where is the where is God when Jesus is on earth? Where is he? <laughs> he's in heaven. He's, well, right, right. He's in heaven, but he's in. But he's also his in presence, body. His presence is in Jesus, right? So when you place your belief in Jesus, they believed in Jesus during that time. But you notice in John fourteen, we're going to go into a lot more when we get there. Is that Jesus is now going to leave? Right. <laughs> right. So what John 14 is referring to is when Jesus leaves, like, how do we get God's presence anymore? How do we have this relationship? How do we keep believing? How do we live? How do we do these things? And John 14 saying, when Christ goes away, when Jesus goes away, and he ascends to the Heavenly Father, I'm going to bring my spirit to now live, what John 14 says too, to live in us. So when Jesus is here on earth, God's presence is in Jesus. When he leaves, now that presence is able to be in all of us. And that's why he, long he, you, he said you believe and accept. Yeah. Right. But as long what, as you believe. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's why he exactly. said, you guys should have been rejoicing when right. I said I was going to my father. Yeah. 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 I mean, now I can out leave the you spirit know, with you. you yeah. well, I so, can imagine that feeling though. You're like, what do you mean? It's like, right. What? Can I read one reference, Greg? Yeah, uh uh-huh. So, like, we're we're all talking about, like, basically how Nicodemus doesn't, like, fully understand this. And then, like, as I was, like, reading ahead, and, like, a seven and eight, I think it's interesting, Jesus' response, like, which he says this in other places, is, like, do not marvel what I said to you, you must be born again. So he's just, like, hey, like, don't overcomplicate this almost, just, like, listen Uh to me. At least that's how I, like, perceive it. Like, I could be wrong. Uh And it says, the wind blows where it wishes... And you hear its sound, but you know not where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. And I thought there's a really fascinating like, cross-reference that uh-huh. this like, app went to, which is actually Ecclesiastes 11.5, oh. which says, As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones and the womb of a woman with a child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Huh. Oh, wow. I've not so heard that verse before. That's I, I hadn't either. I just saw it on Read the Read that again. Yeah. Read it again. Yeah. Very good, Chad. Yeah. That's good. Uh, <coughs> as you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones and the womb of a woman with a child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Wow. So much for the abortion. Yeah, that's a that's a fascinating. I've not heard I've not heard that. Um, I've actually not heard that passage used before, which is a really good. That's a good passage. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting that it's it's uh, in birth. Also. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's that's good. Huh. So it, go, it, it goes deeper because then it, then like when I looked at the cross references and that like it starts to point like Ecclesiastes references like these Isaiah references and mm-hmm. it's right. I'm gonna look at it later. It seems like it's kind of deep train of. Yeah. All right. Um, 
So I want you, let's go back to, to three. Good discussion on the whole born again. So let's go back to the beginning of three. So I want you to listen to the word that gets used here and contrasted. Okay, so if you take a look at, so we have, uh, starting at verse 2, it says, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of God, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born of God when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus answers again, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Do you hear? This is like, goes so a little bit to what you just said, Jason, about let's get the order right. So listen to what, hear the word that, he's, that goes back and forth here. What can you do and what cannot? Mm-hmm. What is, and can means, actually the word means to be able to. All right. So what are you able to do and what are you not able to do? Enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> right. So listen to how, so Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God. For no one is able, can, do these signs unless God is with you. So, we're, because you're able to do these signs, Jesus, we know God is with you. So it's interesting, then Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, what's ironic about that whole conversation, how Nicodemus ent- enters into that, truly God is with you. Yeah. And I'm sure Jesus giggled a little bit and wanted to say, truly I tell you, God's with you. Right now. <laughs> so to take this cerebral conversation yeah. uh-huh. of being born again, really down, <laughs> down um, I'm sure a lot of people in this room have experienced where uh, you know, someone said, oh, Brett, you know, guys born again or something, and a lot of people take offense to it yeah. that, that believe in God and all, but they think that we believe that we're special that we're born again and that we get the graces of God, get to mm-hmm. ascend, and, 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 and that they take offense to that. I, I try never to use it in public because a lot of people, uh, <clears throat> not at this, the level we're talking about, they don't, and they take offense to it. Mm-hmm. Born again. Uh-huh. I, I, sure they do. Totally <laughs> yeah. hear that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Question. I just have a follower. Just, yeah, because that nuance. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's good. Go ahead, Dale. Um, I believe that being able to trust is a skill that we learn. And I wonder where each of us learn to trust. I know where I learned to trust. It was from my parents. Learn to trust. 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 How does that relate to what we're talking about? This whole idea of the Holy Spirit and what he was just referring to is just... Why are we capable of trusting Christ 
as John said, you know, I, I'm here to testify. Mm-hmm. So just because he said it, why do we believe it? Hmm. Probably because God's taking you down, all of us down a variety of paths. Maybe it was your parents, maybe it was me just doing it wrong enough times. Maybe whatever it was, somebody almost dying um, to get to that point where you are finally humble enough to know that you don't know what you're talking Back about. The humble humility yes. last week. Yeah. Right. So, uh, let's go to what Brad was talking about. When you say you don't use it with other people, because why? They feel sometimes possibly that we think that we're chosen ones, that, that, that mm-hmm. it makes them feel inferior and that we are special and better than them. It so, can be perceived that way. Right. I, 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 I totally agree. like non-Christians? No, no, I think Christians, both, Christians of course, too. but I think um, Christians too, you know, the people that just are deep in their beliefs or um, like learning like, on that Christian. They say adjective to Christian. It has to them a sense of uh, uh, arrogance, maybe uh, right. better than... And they may not even say it like that, but some maybe do. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a proud... You, you, there's no humility there. It's just very proud sometimes when yeah. they say it. So no what does it mean here, though? Yeah. So so the term... So we don't hear the word Christian here, right? <clears throat> we don't hear... I mean, Jesus, right. in fact, it's, you it's, won't hear the term Christian. It's only used like twice in the entire world. <laughs> Bible um, in Acts, but so what's the term here? The term is what? Born, born again. 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 Or it also could mean born above. So why would someone take that like an offense? Let's take it as a novel. That theirs isn't good enough that you have to be born again in order to, you know. Okay. But all again, what does born again mean here? Accepted. What? Humility. Someone said humility yeah. a couple humility, times. Humility. We've I accepted. Think yeah. He used the word trust, right? Yeah. Um, trust yeah. is pistis, which is believe. Until okay. somebody yeah. uh, born again yeah. here, in my opinion, means uh. that the believer recognizes that the Spirit has come upon him and he's born in the Spirit. Well, well, but again, the order prior to that, Jesus is saying this to Nicodemus because he knows Nicodemus feels what's real. He, he somewhere in his fiber knows the truth. Yet he's married to a system that is born into lies, right? And he's going to put him on the spot and basically say, what you need is to commit. What you need is to step over that line, okay? And I'm going to put it right to you. All right? And I'm going to say, are you willing to do that or not? Knowing you probably won't. Right? He's In gonna my get... little example, I use the word believer. Mm-hmm. Believer. So mm-hmm. if someone's a believer, and then they believe and trust, as you were saying, that the Spirit has come upon them. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming what you're assuming, that they are believing at that point. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, again, going to like sort of what you were talking about there. So, think about what we tried to. Jesus is making a distinction here. You are either what or. Yeah. You have <laughs> it's, to know you're very black and white. The Jews okay. didn't recognize they were dead already. That was the problem. So, to be born again, what he, what he wanted or could have said to him is Nicodemus, don't you realize you're dead? Don't you remember what happened back in the garden when God told you 
told them they would die. Okay. Do you think so you went back on that? To answer your question, yeah. you said so it's either or. Yeah. So it's, it's born either. of the spirit or born of the flesh. Correct. Okay. Well, yeah, you're born once. That's right. 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 Yeah. Exactly. So it's either or. So can, according to Jesus here, he says you either are born again, right. and if you're born again, you, what does it say? You believe in Jesus. You believe, right. but what does it say? If you're born again, you... There's the spirit living in you. Right? But what happens? You... You can enter the kingdom oh, of God. You Not just enter, but see it. You can see it. See. Yeah. Okay? You can see? What does that mean? To see it. Okay. It, act, act. Because there's a so, difference between... If you're born again, which gets down to how we relate to other people, because if you're born again, then you see. Now, see really means not just like, obviously, visually see. It's like you know the things of the kingdom. You have this relationship with God. These, you read this, it makes sense. You have that belief. You are born again. You see the things of the kingdom. If you are not born again, in fact, well, I think Tom just talked about it. He's going to go on and talk about it right here, right? So um, <clears throat> so if you're not born again, if you're born again, sorry, I say to you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Um, and then he goes on and says, you know, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel what I said to you, you must be born again. So if you're born again, you see the things of the kingdom. You've had to die to the flesh. Yeah. But you see the things of the kingdom, which means people who are not born again... Don't. Don't. But so... But I, yeah. I got a question. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this, if this is even... Could be one of the stupid questions, but... Um, <clears throat> when... The first time when he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot uh -huh. see the kingdom. Yes. Which by the way, see, seen this as like, that be visit the kingdom as opposed to see. The it's kingdom. really not see visually. It's like visit. I see it now. It's like you know when yeah. you when you all of a sudden it goes the lights turn on. You go, I see that now. I get it. Well, like, it's, and, like, and I read it as like kind of funny. Like you can't enter a door without seeing it first, right? Like you know, it's yeah. very hard yeah. to. It's but. it's talking about the difference between a worldly reality right. and a kingdom reality. Exactly. So yeah. when, when in Isaiah, when God tells Isaiah to tell these people. I'm I'm going to blind your eyes. I'm going to dull your hearing. I'm going to dull your heart, etc. Lest you use your eyes to see, use your ears to hear, and use your heart to understand. Okay, he's talking again. This is where the the Jews just kept not getting it. He, there, he's going, guys. There's a kingdom reality and there's a worldly reality. You guys keep oh, deferring yeah, to the worldly yeah. reality. So seeing, hearing, and using your heart to understand, is on a spiritual plane. Right. And so, that's exactly, so it's f up here, right? So wait, my question so, though, really, yes. just simply, like, uh -huh. I don't know if there's any relevance in this, but it, it says, I say to you, unless one is born again, right? And then below, though, like the next time he says it, he says, it, is there a reason why he says just simply, unless one is born again, and then it's like, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, mm -hmm. and then he says, enter in versus see, is there like, is it just him drilling it in his head harder? I, I, yes. I would okay. think, yeah, I think, yeah, I think he's trying to get Nicodemus to see. But he knows he won't. But each right. one of those, that you, that's a good, that was good to notice that each yeah. one, he's becoming more yeah, diamond-tipped. I just see him or like, right. 
he's saying different words, like, right. and then you can't enter it, dude. Like, right. Not just see it, but you can't enter it. Like, it's like so yeah. much more like emphasis. So, so I want you to think it's about for a moment yeah. how many, how many times. So let's. It's very black. This is black and white. There's some mm-hmm. things that are not black and white. This is black and white. You either are born again, okay, and you see the things of the kingdom. Or you don't. And that's what I like about number verse 7. Because he's just straight up just... And then, I, then you read further and he's like, do not marvel. Okay, simple. You must be born again. Right, right. So, like just like, at that point, okay, what that does that sense. mean about people yeah. who are not born again? They can't see the things right. above. They and cannot see will. those. Cannot enter. Right. Have you seen... Have you seen have you guys seen Westworld? Oh, yeah. yeah okay, I've season seen, three. Seen, so I haven't seen the, the new or the season. fourth one? Yeah, I haven't seen the new one. Well, I'm not going to blow you the story, but yeah, there's... No, <laughs> no but they, they can't see something. Uh-huh. Right? Oh, okay. Like, so the new world, you'll get to it. Okay. There's a new world that the, the robots essentially control humans now, right? Mm-hmm. In a sense. But the humans cannot see a certain tower that controls them. Right. Anymore, unless they believe it's there by somebody else who tells them, right? And then they, next year they see, like, boom, there's this huge tower in the middle of the city. Okay, so, so, just, it's a, yeah. it's so just taking it like that, how many it's times do that. we, <clears throat> in talking about to others who do not are not born again, or we talk about the world, or we talk about how screwed up the world is, or we talk about politics, or we talk about whatever, and we're trying to tell the world and believers, non-believers, why don't you see the kingdom? Huh. They cannot see it. And we get so frustrated. I see us as Christians so much time we put, we get fear of the world and we, we wonder why people, why don't they get it? Why don't they see? Jesus is saying here, you are not going to see it. You are blind, Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. Don't expect to be able to talk to people and tell people how to live their lives, to be blunt. Tell people they should. Go and follow Jesus, or they should do the things Jesus says, or get it backwards. Like, born again and believe in me. Or get it backwards, like Jason just said. Oh, let's go backwards. Let's tell. Let's first of all do the things. Let's love, like right. Jesus says, to love, and then we'll believe. No, you cannot love as Jesus loved unless you first are born again, right. which is the same thing as saying we put our faith in Christ. So I'm just wondering when you how, when you think about that about how we talk to others. Which is a little bit why you're going to have the reaction if you go to particularly an unbeliever and you talk about being born again. You, it's going to be like talking to Nicodemus, like, yeah. "What are you talking about?" Right. Although the irony is, some believers uh, also, but so it's both believers and non-believers. Yeah. Well, true. <laughs> okay. I think it's semantics and how they perceive it. Well, part of also, I think we make that mistake a little bit because what do we do? We call ourselves. It goes back to what you just said. Sort of arrogant. We call ourselves born-again Christians. That's sort of like saying... Yes, it's kind of a little bit uppity. It, it yeah. is. It's like I'm a, somehow a special Christian. To Jesus, there's no such thing as a born-again Christian. You are a born-again or you're not. You're a Christian or you're not. It's the same thing. To say, I'm going to put an adjective on there, it's redundant. It almost does exactly what you said. It creates a sense of, well... I'm a born-again Christian, but you're not. It's like, 
then you're not a Christian. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay. It's like saying I'm a really Christian Christian. Right. <laughs> well, see, and I, I just said to him, he, he follows Christ or something. I'm like, yeah, I'm born again. I just said, like, oh, yeah, I'm born again. And I don't do that anymore, you know? Yeah. I just, like, I'm a Christian. Period. And I don't wear it. It's only if, if asked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All of us in this room, you know, growing up in, a, in an age where our parents didn't have this, I don't think, where the words, two words, born again, had a negative connotation. In our culture, it's changed because the enemy <coughs> taken those two words and made slime out of them, so yeah, that people absolutely. will react mm-hmm. viscerally. Good point. Yeah, and you know, so like you're saying, it's you don't want to go there, but it's here and it's powerful, and it may be a way to bring someone to the Lord because mm-hmm. they say, well, "What?" They say, "Oh, you're arrogant." You go, "No, it's it's Christ says it, and it means that you're you have the Spirit in you." Yeah. And you can start. You start from there, and you start explaining. Maybe they'll accept it. Maybe they won't. Yeah, but right. I wouldn't. I'm, you know, I'm a real pussy talking to people, so I shouldn't talk like this. But you know, just go for it. Mm-hmm. But, but the, the, the spirit of God is behind you. This is in scripture. Yes. Right. And it's so greater is He in you than is He in the world. And definitely, the enemy loves this born again slimer job. Yeah. And he wants and, us to back away from it. But, and think about. That there's no way, like with Nicodemus, if Jesus didn't have this conversation with Nicodemus, okay, let's assume Jesus, I mean, let's, let's assume Nicodemus became born again through this. If Jesus didn't have that conversation with Nicodemus, how would Nicodemus ever know to be born again? He wouldn't, which goes on to what Tom's saying. If Jesus we, we have didn't to have share that conversation with Nicodemus, how would we know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But the thing is, I don't understand. Which, which goes down to the whole point is that someone is not born again. We can sit there and try to say they should live like they are. They should see the kingdom, and we can knock ourselves on the head until we're blue in the face. It's not going to happen. But which is part of the whole purpose of what we're going through, John, as we've said from the beginning. The purpose of what we're trying to do as we go through John is learn and get the language and start once again. Helping those who do not believe to hear the words of God. Because the only way people come to faith, Romans is clear, they're only going to come to faith if they are spoken the word of God. If they are spoken about who Jesus is. How can you be born again and believe in Christ if you don't know who he is? So that's that's here with Nicodemus. That's our role. That's our role. And, is to and, and we haven't yeah. talked about it, but in verse 8... Uh-huh. It talks about the wind, because we're talking about the water a lot. Yep. But, um, yeah. Well, the bef- yeah. Before, it's like Jason was saying, it's like diamond-cut needle. He's like really nailing this born-again thing concept, and it's very harsh and blunt. And then I think Jesus backs off and makes it very gentle and open and understandable. It's like, oh, you, you want to know how the Spirit works? It's like the wind. Mm-hmm. And you, as an unbeliever, can see the wind stirring those trees, right? Well, that's that's where the spirit is. So a non-believer goes, "Oh, I, oh, I can get that. Okay, I can get that." Right. I think the wind was also being put in there, and there's a mysteriousness of it. You don't know where it's coming from, where it's going, and all. So I think that was my read of it when I was prepping mm-hmm. for this class. Mm-hmm. It was the mysteriousness of the wind, whereas the water maybe the flowing of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. on that with the wind, I lo- I looked in one of the um, the commentaries, and it says the Greek word. Um, used here uh, for 
for wind, uh -huh. it means both wind and spirit. It does. It's like exactly the same word. word. Numa. Numo. Yeah, Numo? so yeah. you said that there, that's common in Greek, right? Right. But you equated spirit and water, but in the verse it's actually spirit and wind. wind well, in this one it is, but yeah, the one before that is spirit and water. But it's not, it does not actually the same word that means the same thing, though, right? Like spirit and wind. With spirit and water. So in verse in verse five, Jesus is saying, "You're not born again. You're born of the water and spirit." Mm -hmm. So that's one subject. That's where we have the whole subject about yeah. what does water mean. Yeah. Then next, he then gives another metaphor, which is using wind to talk about the spirit. But it's it's the same it's the same word. So it's the same word for wind and spirit. Right? That is true, but not water and spirit. So but wind and spirit, yes. So how do they know just by the context? Because <laughs> they, they say spirit is spirit. So if they could say wind is spirit or spirit is spirit, but then on the other side. They know by context and also, um, what was I going to say? The other example of that is when you read scripture and you see the S with a capital S, and these, well, like here, I think it's it says, it uses... Um, there's yeah. No, there's so notice there's the verse. In Greek, yeah, look at right. Spirit. Exactly. Look at verse six. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Same word. Yeah. Flesh and flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. If I look at that in Greek, I am going to see exactly the same Greek word. Yeah. So the translators are. Un so they, they translating go, they go back well. to Hebrew. They know well or Greek. They know, but the Greek. If it's the same the word, they have to go back to the Hebrew to, to decide which inference in it is. In some instances, that's correct. Okay, so here you're right, Pete. That wind and spirit is the same word. It's the same word also in the Old Testament. It's a Hebrew word though. Um, but when people try, that's why translating is. It's 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 <laughs> you have to be really good at in knowing the language about how the language works to correctly translate it. Okay. Um, well, the focus here also is brought out by the fact that both spirits are capitalized. Right, but is, as as you said that in the do you say that Chris in the in the Greek, if you were to the read the, the are they both yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. With that spirit. So if you're to read the Greek, there is no capitalization in Greek. There's no capitalization in Hebrew. Okay? If you just like read it, there, it's just, it's all letters. There's no such thing as capitalization. And there's no punctuation either. So this is what makes translating, someone has to really know the language, know the context, know how to do it. Jason, you keep saying, uh, 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 you're going to say something. You remember? <laughs> so many. I know. I know. You have a lot of words. That's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. Yeah, Greg, um, yeah. Are, are we going to talk about like what's going on in like verse 12 and 13? Well, I'd like, like to. Yeah. Now <laughs> <or later. laughs> go ahead. Go for it now. Well, I don't, I don't understand this. So let's go for it now. Yeah. So, what don't you understand on 12 and 13? Is that your question? Yeah. The earth, the... I've told you earthly things. <clears throat> but what he's telling him in the previous verses are not earthly things; they're spiritual things. He says, well, "That's kind of confusing." But I've told you oh, I see. Because he's now, trying to make the illustration like if I'm telling you things, if simple I'm simple things, right? If I'm right, if I'm telling you things like 
you know, my, this thing is on the ground. No, he's saying like, like that's obvious. It's an earthly thing. This is on the ground. Being born again is, is an earthly thing? Not born again is, but being born is. So the first birth is the birth is an earthly thing. So you notice he's using metaphors. So metaphor is referring to something in the real world. So you better understand what water is before you try to relate water as a metaphor to something spiritual. So can, can we go back to Tom and your interpretation of the wind thing? Sure. Because it plays into this, what you're saying now. So he, he, he wasn't throwing that out to Nicodemus and Nicodemus got it. He was saying that you don't even understand what? the ways of the world and right. the fact that God's controlling all this. You don't even know where wind comes from. Okay? You're too wrapped up in your own, you know, you guys are making up the rules. That's, it was, it was more of a heckle than it was, uh, oh, let me gently run you through this. No. Because, so he says, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Right? We, they get it. You don't. Right? If you did yeah, get it, and, you'd and know. Nicodemus it. said to him in verse 8, <clears throat> How can these things be? He's pushing back. Right, yeah. right. And so, so he's further basically proving the fact that he doesn't know yeah. even something earthly like that. And there, right. that's, that's where this yeah. then starts yeah. to make sense. Yeah. It's a pretty, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, makes sense. it's a pretty good, I'm like, like, really I like, you, hey, do you not get then, this? Okay. Yeah. 13, that's far out. Uh, you know, especially if you're talking to someone who doesn't know what's going on. I see, I see Jesus do this, though, even with the disciples. It's like, are you guys still so dull? You understand yep. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like, obviously Jesus is the ultimate condescension, right? Yeah. Condescended. Right. And so he can be condescending, but, I mean, uh, it's <laughs> got to be somewhat frustrating, I guess, a little, a little bit, right? Well, if you guys, so remember yeah, here, if you guys remember, that's why, as we all struggle with this, that's why we get into this, yeah. okay, is because we're reading through John, and if you remember last week, remember how we saw that the disciples and people believe, but they're still having to believe. There's still there's this help process is taking place. What? It's like help my yeah, help my own. But there's this process is taking place where belief isn't just like, oh, I get it, I believe, but they're having to continue to keep believing, keep understanding. And so, as we read in here, John a lot, John says, and when Jesus was resurrected, the disciples finally got what happened back here. Remember that with the, okay? So we will see this. It's like, we go, why don't people get it? We have to remember, because we're born again, we have the Spirit in us, not because we shouldn't be, because we're arrogant, but it's because we have the Spirit in us, so we see that. Trying to think that we can make others <laughs> see that without them first developing that relationship with Jesus, going back to Jason's like order. We have to think of that order. We have to first of all bring people to Christ for them to even be able to understand the things of Christ. Okay, so you can't expect people to understand the things of Christ if they are not in a relationship with Christ and believe in it. So which one so, comes first? I'm, I'm yeah, you, I get a little sure. confused between you two. Uh-huh. So looking at this is like. Um, what you were talking about right now. So I'm looking at this now as to be born again is to believe in Jesus. It's like to take that step. So that's the water. Okay. And then... Well, hold on before you say that's the water. I mean, I don't... Before, I don't yeah. Well, just, what, no, let's just be simple. Let's just be simple. Let's take this back, simple, let's take this back and, and, okay. and, and what I, what I, how I okay. started this whole thing with Nicodemus yeah. coming to him, whether it was secret, secretly or not. And Jesus knows... 
he's a man, and, and I think from what I understand, he's a lawmaker, um, which means is he was a Pharisee that studied the law of what? The Old Testament. The, the entire Old Testament. Old, right. The law right. really means right. the whole Old Testament. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, Jesus is letting and him. And he was a, like a high-ranking Pharisee. Yeah. So right. in Jesus' mind, in Jesus' mind, he knows he's a man. He, he just knows he's a man. And mm-hmm. he, he's looking at him like, you have the only way you can come to me, to God, is through me to be born again. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, right? keep going. You're okay. good, good. Right. So, you were talking about order. What does that all? What does what does that all mean? Because I'm a little, I'm getting really confused. Well, first he doesn't say to him, "You have to come to me," right? He's not making it that clear. He's still leaving that a little bit mysterious. What is he? Hope, he wants him to. He doesn't say you have to come through me. Well, um, he hasn't declared well, himself. Again, you have to. Yeah, go to Christ. Right. C- correct. Right. Right. But if you read the, the actual words that he's saying, right, he didn't say you got to come to me. He's he is saying that you have to go through this process. You have to be born of. You have to be born again. You have to be born of the water and of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he doesn't say it yet. He doesn't say right. it yet. You're going to get say. there. Right. Yes. Yeah. Of right. course. Right. But anyway, because going back to what you were saying, Ken. So order. Think. So let's go back to that order, just so you're clear. Right. So and he's. And he's letting him know that this, right. it, the whole thing, the whole thing to me is like he's just letting him know this isn't a physical rebirth, this is a spiritual rebirth. right. And that spiritual rebirth happens through, as we see throughout John, the whole subject of John, which we're getting to, which is at the end here. Did you notice what ends? What notice what happens? If I'll just read it right now, verse fourteen. Well, yeah, let's just read fourteen. This is sort of the end, and then. Maybe we have to come back to this next week. But and as Moses lifted up the servant of the wilderness, let's not talk about what that means here there yet. So must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, so what's interesting here is the Son of Man has not been lifted up. Jesus has not been lifted up yet. Okay, so you're in a time period where that has not happened yet. The resurrection has not happened. So that whoever believes in him, which is Jesus, may have eternal life. So there is, that's, that's the switch. Okay, but, in, but in essence... He still doesn't say me. Yeah. Right. To, get, yeah. to get where Jason is. Yeah. yeah. I was a Michael McClung. Uh-huh, yeah. His grandfather was my principal. Okay. And he evaluated me once in 30 years. And he said, it's okay to tell the kids what you want them to know. Exactly. <laughs> and uh. that's... Uh-huh. That's what Jason, his, his point here is. Mm-hmm. It would be nice if Christ had just said, <laughs> you've got to believe in me. But, but he, Before all of the rest of this. Yeah. But I think, I think he he's needed all these metaphors and bringing right. around. He needed him circles. to go through the process. He knew, exactly. you know, I'm not going to win you right now, but you're going to watch the whole procession of everything <clears> go on. And, and all these things I've said to you. Because yeah. he knows what Moses did with the yeah. serpent stick was all about and all that right and when he's lifted up eventually why did he come up with 75 gallons of aloe and stuff because suddenly he could see yeah yeah so and i want to sort of emphasize again going back to what we talk about and hear about how do we then share this notice that how is this happening this is happening through jesus having a conversation with someone 
It's simply a conversation. There's no way Nicodemus could understand these things unless Jesus was there explaining it to him. Okay. So how does John know that, what, what's going on in this conversation? Well, because, <laughs> well, John, John because he was eavesdropping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because at, at Pentecost or something, the Spirit gave them a remembrance. He, yeah, which we'll talk about in, right, in Acts 14, where he was talking about that that's going to bring oh. remembrance. And, very possibly, this story by Nicodemus, which does not occur in the other Gospels, is right. because we talked about this earlier. John was very, very close to Jesus, okay, from what we can see. And probably, if he wasn't there at this, he Jesus. heard about it, okay? And so he knew about these stories, and he talked to Jesus himself very possibly. Throughout the Bible, talks about, about Jesus it. talking to the disciples. Right. So he just said, hey, I was talking to Nicodemus, this would happen. Right. Exactly. So it's the point The point here is, is that we, now, today, we don't have Jesus who can come in and say, hey, you know, I've got my friend, John, who doesn't really believe in Jesus, and we can say, hey, um, let me call up Jesus and have Jesus come and talk to John about Jesus. We're the ones <laughs> who are now Jesus who get to go talk to John about Jesus. We end up being the con- one who has this conversation with Nicodemus, with John. We're the ones who bring this. That's why we study this. Why we get together on Tuesday night. It's not just to sort of like get a bunch of head knowledge. It's so we can go and tell others. We can build our own faith. But so we can go tell others, hey, do you know what the guy, do you even know what born again means? Yeah. Do you know, I mean, you say that born again to some of them, like, whoa, what are you talking about? It's like, well, let's just go and open this, let's go look. What does this mean? Okay, it's not because I think I'm arrogant. Like, let's open this up and let's go read what it means. And guess what Romans says? What happens when we do that? Through the hearing of the word of God, people place their faith in Christ. So we get to be the ones that go out there and have the Jesus conversations <laughs> with the Nicodemus. May I, may I throw another yeah. facet? Uh-huh. I, guess I, have to, I have to head out. So yeah. I'll see you guys. Good. Thanks. 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 We're close off here in about two minutes. So. Hey, Chris. Hey, by the way. Yeah, so I've heard it enough times, it's got to be through some intelligent people that there's not a single word in the Bible that wasn't blessed by God, right? And so when you're like, was John there? And you know, hear this. So I just, you know, I'm not smart enough to connect all those dots. All I know is that if it's true, the intelligent people uh, have told me that. And so, so therefore, you know, it happened how it got disseminated to this person that got into the Bible and all. I mean, my my pay grade. Exactly. And Peter. Peter tells us this, Timothy tells us this, and actually John has already told us this, that these are the very words of God, that today are the way we communicate God to others. So when we use these words, these words have the power through the Spirit Spirit. to bring people to Christ. If we just go around and talk about Hey, you know what? I'm really good at building surfboards, and I'm going to love you a big bunch. And wow, I just hope one day you're going to come to Jesus if I never talk to you about him. I'm like, <laughs> we're missing a whole equation here. We have the Spirit in us, but we're given that Spirit to communicate the words of God to people and go. And we're going to get to this passage, but where we go, let me not tell you about what it says. Let's do what we do here. Let's just open it up and just read this passage. So Saul, you know, they say no, nothing, even though it was written by Saul, nothing, not one common not word, was, it was blessed by God in there. Like sometimes numbers, I'm like, why is this in there? But somehow God, he's like, this is every single word in there is blessed yeah, by God. That's right. 
and it's not just the last five guys. It's inspired through the Spirit by God. It is the very words of God. Even though Saul wrote whatever, you know, right. that component of it. Yeah, but all that, I mean, well, we're getting into a whole discussion about how the inspiration of Scripture happens. But all, the Old and New Testament, are the very words of God that today bring people to God when we speak those words to others. Mm-hmm. So it's the power of God unto salvation. So it, yeah. it, it, I've had this, I just had this conversation uh, over the weekend with somebody at the Sabbath Festival. Um, even the, the, uh, the concept of the Bible itself, so you're getting into more specifics of the Bible, but even the Bible itself, Right? Oh, oh, there's so many. How do you know which one's right? There's all these. It's been, it's been, you know, convoluted and this and that and the other thing. How many people have had their hands on that thing? And that is an entry into the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. right there. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a be- beautiful way to get somebody to kind of go, er, right? It, it's, well, you know what? That was by design. Because it, it was. There was no singular group was ever intended to have. The ability to say, we hold the truth in our hands, and not you. Yeah, yeah. Right? So no, no matter how many times it's been switched around this and that, the other thing, somehow God is going to make those words read correctly. And when we have the Spirit in them, we will be able to disseminate and understand that word. And so will they. Right, and speak that word to others. Yeah. Right. So, to, uh, Tom, you... I oh, know what I was going to say is kind of minor rabbit trail, doesn't matter. But along what Jason was mm-hmm. just reading, or saying, um, we read it, it's pretty amazing. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm-hmm. And then it says, He was in the beginning with God, meaning He, the Word, was with God. That means yes. Jesus was yes. with God. That means Jesus is synonymous with the Word. Yeah. So that, it's kind of hard for our minds to get around it, but this <laughs> is is Jesus. Jesus, you're right. This is exactly right. That's extremely powerful. Yeah, it it is. And like Jason was saying, how you be born again? It'll fit. Jesus knows the future. He's you know he knows everybody that we're going to come in contact with in our life, and if we present him to them, miracles happen. So yeah. this is. Okay. Yeah, um, Eric and Oakland. I missed the last couple of meetings, and so I did listen to the discussions. And um, what this triggers me is the last discussion was about how do you strengthen your belief system and how do you fight back against Satan attacking Uh you and Uh that whole thing. And I'm sitting there, and I want to contribute, and I can't because it's a recording. (laughs) But because it's a recording, I could participate in Mm -hmm. it. And so I thought, okay, how, what we're talking about now really is, is because our faith ebbs and flows as well, because we are humans, and we have good days and bad days, and Satan attacks us in certain ways. I thought, okay, how do I maintain my walk? How do I maintain my spirituality? And what I came up with, and I'll make it real quick, is a metaphor. So I'm a pilot, and I take a 767, and I'm flying across country with 320 people. And as the airplane burns fuel, its center of gravity goes off. 
and as the flight attendants serve meals, they're walking back and forth, and, and the airplane yeah, wants to go out of balance. And my job as a pilot is constantly trimming the airplane out of these aberrations that's going to slow us down and not give it the best ability to, to fly straight and get to destination and not waste a bunch of fuel. Mm -hmm. Okay. The other thing is, is that if I'm not paying attention, if I'm one degree off in 60 miles, I'm one mile away from where I should be. And, and if you've ever looked at a compass in an airplane, it's really hard to differentiate one degree from the next because the numbers are small and there's a lot of little <laughs> marks in there, right? And so the metaphor I've come up with is life keeps trying to push us off track. The airplane is constantly trying to get out of balance and not get to where it's going. So a person asked me, what is your job as a pilot? And I said, my job is to make constant corrections back to an optimum. Mm -hmm. And I would suggest to you, that's what our Christian life is, yeah. that we're going to get a little off course, you know, and a little wave will hit the bow of our boat, and, oh, it's just a little wave, we'll okay, a couple of degrees off, it doesn't really matter. And then all of a sudden it's, how did I get here? How did, how, did I, how did I get so far off course? And so the metaphor as a pilot is, is that my Christian walk is not always rock solid, perfect, and I'm a hardcore believer right to the end. And so when I interact with other people, mm -hmm. I may be at a real weak place mm -hmm. when, I need, when I meet that opportunity. And what I would say is humility then. And admitting that weakness to the other person that you're relating to is going to pull down a wall and it's going to give you more gas than you could ever have mm -hmm. by, well, I'm a Christian and let me right. tell you how, what the walk is about. Yeah. So I, I think our walk is not static. No, It's very not. dynamic. Right. And... Um, my wife's attitudes can affect that. Um, my checkbook can affect it, you know, yeah. uh, whether it's raining or not, you know, and all those other things. And so I think it's really important to have an awareness that our job is a constant correction back to an optimum. The only way we know what the optimum is is through the Word. Okay. Yeah, very good. So I'm going to close. Good. Thank you. That's actually right on the money. I mean, okay. so... In fact, I'll close with exactly around with that. So just sort of mm -hmm. summing up our discussion, this is Romans, and then we'll, we'll end. Thank you guys for staying a little later than usual. Um, and I would say that's the reason why we get together. I mean, ultimately, it's not, again, just to get a bunch of knowledge and argue and have these discussions and learn a lot of the good stuff. It's ultimately to keep us on track so we keep believing and we don't get off track, right? And to do exactly as I did. Right. So here's, here's what Romans 10, I kept referring to, but the word is near you. It goes back to also when you were saying, when, um, you were saying about the word, the word here, the whole thing, right? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So there can, that's it. There, there's a crux of it. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's nothing else. Amen. Okay? For with 
the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Amen. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? goes back to what we said about born again. To those who were not born again, how will that happen? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, the Lord has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It's so simple. And yes, so hard. <laughs> I was coming in here tonight to, to give a little testimony about Romans 10.9, which huh. we just read. Yeah. You want to hear that, really? Well, it's real short. It's just, if, yeah, and I was thinking of you. Uh, Can you guys all stay for two minutes? It's real let's short. Just, yeah, let's do I have it. a friend, yeah. my oh, I love it. best friend from college, and he married his straight gal. He's, he's a, not a Christian. And his wife, uh, I'm discipling, and she's just coming around so beautifully. Mm. And she said to me this week on the phone, they invited me to Sun Valley, Idaho. They do every summer. It's just bliss. She said on the phone, we're talking about that. She said on the phone, well, I'm worried about Bob, but I think he's saved because he was a, he went to church a lot when he was a boy. His mom always took him to church. And I read her Romans 10 9. Mm -hmm. it, I think it encapsulates this, the whole thing. It's like believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Those two things. It's so simple, but it encapsulates all we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Very good. It's a great witnessing tool. Romans yeah. 10. Okay, yeah. Thank you. It is. Yeah. All right, well, Father, we thank you for this evening. Um, pray for this. Um, is there a husband that she was saying that about? Oh, yeah, Bob. So, Bob, we pray for Bob, Lord, that if he does not know you and has not placed his faith in you, we pray that that will happen even as we are praying right now. And Father, I just thank you for these group of guys who have gone together tonight, that we may hear, we may study, we may wrestle with your word. May you give us that boldness through the spirit that lives in us, the same spirit that lived in Jesus, the same spirit that rose him from, raised him from the dead. May that spirit empower us, compel us to go and share this word of Christ with others. So many more can say, I am born again. Yes, it's all in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys.